I shudder to think of the things Kristen's diagnosed me with over the years. <laughs> just, just she only diagnosed you with a fat cock. That's all she ever told me. <laughs> I sincerely doubt that conversation actually ever happened. Well, you know, Shane's not the guy for me, but at least he has a fat cock. <laughs> what a compliment! Too right. Honored. You're not Captain my cup Coke of tea. Can over but, here. <laughs> yeah, but if you were, at least I know that I would. Uh, I would have a koozie. <laughs> I, at least I know I'd be screaming for mercy. Is that is that how people with huge chodes wear condoms? They just have like koozies. No, I think they just <laughs> pulled their ball skin over the top of their dick <laughs> and just come into their own like sack. a tanuki. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> That the tanuki is, is its own condom. In point of fact, big tanuki energy. <laughs> Michael, I hope you make this the cleanest intro edit of all time because the big tanuki energy is here to stay. Well, I could just not have any of the original stuff in and just it's fine point. Yeah, wow. Cleanest edit. How about you just uh, sack. Well, up you the... have a lot more time on your hands right now because you don't have to travel to and from a little school. So I think uh, I think you can do it. What we're trying to say is that uh, Michael's been shopping at Saks Fifth Avenue over here. So it's, been it's a, a good sandwich place. There. There's a sandwich place in Tempe called Saks. What? Shocked. Yeah. Never heard of it? It's pretty tasty. You have to close your eyes when you go in, and they make you eat your sandwich out of a, a hole. Oh. Um, you know what? I have been it's there. It's mainly now that you, liquid. Now that you describe it like that, yeah. When I was on my liquid diet. Yeah, I got a go-gurt packet there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically just a place to go get astronaut food. <laughs> Ass or not food? <laughs> that too. Oh, no. That's how John classifies all of his consumption. Yeah. It's either ass or, or not. not ass. <laughs> yes. It's 2021, so most of the time it's everything's just ass. <laughs> so when you write your food down on a list, is there an asterisk next to it? Oh, yeah. And it's pretty big on the whole. Yeah, good. Good. It's like the uh, the hot dog, not hot dog bit from Silicon Valley. Oh Have my you guys God. seen that show? <laughs> it's, I, it's been a really long time, but I love that show. Uh, uh, I can't tell you the number of times that John has come between the Silicon Valleys. So it's... Uh, whew, doggy. Yes. I do not get laid. <laughs> <laughs> There's the disclaimer. Did, I saw the worst TikTok on the planet this morning, and mine? I want to share it with you. No, it wasn't you, but it, I think it is because my phone is still spying on me and my content. It so always it knows is. the volume of time we've talked about Colonel Sanders oh, because shit. it was a woman with an absurd amount of cleavage who looks at the camera and she goes, do you know what women have in common with KFC? And the person off, off camera is like, what? And she's like, well, when you're done with the breast and thigh, all you have left is a greasy box to throw your bone into. Did you come immediately? Buckets and buckets? <laughs> no, no. I was actually quite repulsed by the concept. It's uh. just like, why did you have to make me think of gravy in that context? Uh. I honestly don't remember the last time I ate at KFC, but I do want to defy Patton Oswald and get a famous bowl just just to do the it. The sadness again. bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. I it feel... will, in fact, end in tears. It always does. I felt like we needed this levity because you've really made me nervous for today. You should be. <laughs> you made uh... me very, very fucking nervous. I gave you an out. I gave you an out, and you're still like, 
no, we'll record this week. Oh, listen, I'm ready to roll, and that is why it is very fun. And on the topic of gravy, Heil come slingers, and welcome to the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. Didn't quite nail it in under two minutes this week, but you know, sometimes the preamble has to last a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. Foreplay before the uh, gruesome murders that we're going to discuss. But uh, for the... Thank you. It's going to be appropriate, and I'm going to see how deep the rabbit hole goes this evening as we delve into something that is very fit for last pod. So for those of you who are not familiar with the conceit of this show, we like to delve into random esoteric topics, and in the course of explaining it to one another, we will lie occasionally for the sake of keeping things interesting. That is the shtick, and it has lasted us for two glorious seasons. And so we still haven't killed each other yet. But wait, there's, there's more. time. Uh, it's also incumbent on the co-hosts to find the lies and yell at them when they locate them. So we separate the fact from the fiction wherever we can. And at the end of the show, we have a little denouement where we explain what the unfactual information is for those of you who are worried playing the home game. But uh, this evening, I have to say in advance, if you are squeamish at all about any sort of material that involves murder or uh, sexual molestation and or violence and any number of other things, please check the show notes. See if there's anything in particular that you might want to avoid, because if you are averse to anything that is repulsive to you as a person, it's probably going to be contained in this episode. Oh, yeah. Nice. So I feel like that is an appropriate precursor to the madness that is about to follow. So the election of uh, Donald Trump. (laughs) If only. I think we also might want to preface that we're not laughing at the tragic events that happened. It's important to do so, yes. (laughs) I will probably make a really bad joke at some point in the next hour. Well, here's the thing. We uh, we do point out that it is rather maudlin to whistle through the graveyard at times, but otherwise we're going to go insane if we go into this knowing full well that there's going to be some stuff that's going to be abhorrent to us personally. But, you know, this is how we cope is with uh, laughter. It's what the was, best medicine. What was the last super heavy episode that we've done? But don't make me do math right was now. It, my was friend. it Michael's Slenderman? <laughs> Yes, yeah, he just I don't randomly think he included a trigger, in. which is why we were upset. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like it, it went from like, "Oh, this is all weird and spooky and fun" to like, "Whoa, dude!" <laughs> it was <laughs> no also chill. disjointed up until the point where he started cutting people, and they were like, "Okay." And then his eyes lit up, and he was like, "I feel alive." <laughs> That's why I like that episode so much. It's appropriate. But, uh, okay, I think that is enough for you. And yes, we are not mocking anybody's tragedy here, so just bear with us and uh, our apologies to anyone who takes offense. I am not intentionally trying to be incendiary, but this is something I've studied extensively, uh, and we'll discuss this as we go on. But uh, the topic this evening is going to cover the killer, Gary Heidnick. Now, many of you have very likely never heard this man's name, and I am not entirely shocked, and I haven't seen him readily covered in many of the more famed murder podcasts. And so I figured this would be a uh, an interesting topic for me to tackle, since I am interested in these things. So I love to foist it off on you, the listener. I don't even think that I know a person in my real life named Gary, let alone this guy. <laughs> I don't Sadly, think I know, I know a, a single few. fucking Gary. You're not missing much. No, they're they're <laughs> infinitely forgettable people from what I've heard. 
other than a future Hall of Famer in the National Basketball Association, Gary Payton, who's Who? fantastic. <laughs> He's the all-time steals leader, my friend. Uh, though Rod Strickland had a lot to say about that, but well, that's a you know Dwan is laughing somewhere. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's excited to see you on Friday. By the way, uh, well, I'm excited to see him as well. Nice. And uh, Dwan, kisses. <laughs> so here we are. For Gary Michael Heidnick, I have five lies for you this evening. Is everyone ready? Let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. Ooh, deep breath. On March the 25th, 1987, Pennsylvania police surrounded the home at 3520 North Marshall Street in Philadelphia. It was an unassuming house whose exterior in no way betrayed the monstrous depravity contained within its walls. The neighbors, however, were not surprised when the police arrived. They had always known the home's owner as a disturbed and disturbing individual in possession of a cold, emotionless glare who could, without provocation, snap at a moment's notice. His name was Michael. Ah. Uh, <laughs> he can go deeper if you want him to. But I might snap. What, what year is it? Oh, yeah. Uh the home's interior appeared to be a manifestation of its owner's emotional turmoil. The kitchen walls were completely covered in pennies, which were glued to the surfaces. No. The upstairs... Show it's, enough. It's good decoration. It, I like the aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, the upstairs <laughs> hallways of the home were similarly adorned with $1 and $5 bills. Okay, that's going too far. Nah, I can do the pennies. Are you sure that. you're not describing Kevin Spacey? Uh, wait. Uh, sadly, the homeowner possessed enough wealth to easily facilitate these decorations. However, these findings offered no hint that the rest of the residence contained a basement torture chamber housing six African-American female hostages chained to the ceiling, an electrified pit, a pot on the stove holding a human head, and a refrigerator filled with arms and legs. And I'm going to take it out of the running right now. None of that was bullshit, friends. Wow. All righty. Nothing. Holy. It was really hard to decorate before Ikea came around. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> no. But at least he was preparing a meal for the cops, right? Jesus. I mean, God. not since the cannibal of Rotterdam has a meal sounded less uh, tantalizing oh to me. Oh, God. This is yeah, horrific. That, that wouldn't even be the best way to cook ahead, so... I agree. Chef Courtney weighs in. Yeah, yeah. But what would, I mean, in, in your opinion, what would be the best way? Considering that you have a skull you and you have you don't have you know, to answer this inside. now. You can wait and maybe pay this off at the end of the episode and let us know I mean, the best way to cook a human head. A, a head sounds like a crockpot meal to me. That's how you get head cheese. So yeah, either crockpot or you could do it in the smoker. I've had smoked Ooh. pig's head whole. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've had smoked pig's head whole as well, but in an entirely different context. <laughs> oh that's right there's a, wilbur oh, there's, a, no. there's a blue line joke there somewhere oh, God. <laughs> it's, how I, it's actually how i was weaving charlotte's web at the time just throwing rope <laughs> some pig <laughs> indeed crunchy oh. <laughs> so that day, the home on Marshall Street earned the title of Philadelphia's House of Horrors. It is quite ironic that the city of brotherly love could harbor such hatred. 
And thus, this was how Philadelphia was officially introduced to the man whose grisly acts of torture and murder would make him the city's most notorious criminal to date. The eccentric, schizophrenic, Minister of Marshall Street, Gary Michael Heidnick. Of course his middle name's Michael. I was going to say, it's it can't, that that is, that's his middle name? Sure is. Uh. <laughs> so, born on November the 22nd, 1943, which makes him a Scorpio as well, Michael, just to bear in mind. Uh. Uh, he was born in East Lake, Ohio, and nothing good comes out of Ohio. Uh, fight me. Amen. <laughs> uh, very fucking true. We know somebody. Yeah. yeah. I was also going to say LeBron Ooh. James is going to send me a very strongly worded email. Just but, kidding, uh, my ginger friend who listens. You're you're okay. <laughs> he does not listen. You can say whatever you want about him. Fuck you, Curtis. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, Scott does listen and also comes from Ohio. And again, <gasps> I'm <fight> sorry. <laughs> 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 Anywho, uh, Heidnick's parents divorced due to his mother's alcoholism. As a result, Heidnick and his brother, Terry, went to live with their father, who later remarried. Both sons were reportedly not fond of their stepmother. Go fucking figure. Uh, and th is anybody ever really fond of their stepmother unless they're sleeping with them, as the porn would have you, us believe? You, you fucking got straight <laughs> to it before I yeah. could. Oh, I'm sorry. What are you doing? I've seen those step, videos. Bro? It's time for the song. sword fight in mom's mouth. Oh. Uh, <laughs> sorry, oh. sorry. Out. Uh, step owie, mom's owie, mouse, owie, mouth. Owie. Your dad Oof. just doesn't love me right. Well, no one can. Uh, I'm sorry. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> These comments are more horrifying than the topic. I think that's the point. Yes. I <laughs> These are the jokes. So. Both sons were not fond of their stepmother, and their father, purportedly, always sided with her when it came to conflicts. This will come to, into play later, naturally. Portraits of words. Uh, added to the anxiety generated by this strife inside of the home, Heidnick also suffered a lifelong issue of uncontrollable bedwetting, for which his father would punish him through hanging the soiled sheets out of his bedroom window for every passerby to see. Ooh. So, no small wonder that we're starting to create complexes here, but sometimes his father even dangled Gary out of the window, shaking him by the ankles as punishment. I mean, no. my dad did the same thing, and I, I turned out fine. I mean, if you need to air him out, because he's covered in urine. Yeah. Is that bullshit, though? No, it is not. Wow. That's sad. Uh-huh. As a child, Heidnick is also documented as uh, having fallen from a tree, smashing his skull, and subsequently suffering a misshapen cranium, which is believed to have led to many of his behavioral aberrations. Well, that's what they say, right? It's always, He's got all the signs. a trauma. He, yeah. he definitely <laughs> meets and the physical. bulk of the criteria, yes. It's very easy to see how we get here, but just wait until the story unfolds. Do you have that off the top of your head? Like what the traits the, the McDonald's triad, yeah, as yeah, they yeah, they yeah. call it, uh, a tendency to start fires, uh, bedwetting, and mutilation or cruelty to animals is the McDonald's triad. But they also do point to a lot of uh, issues with head trauma as being a major cause, which is one of the reasons that you have things I like all Gacy. the yeah, all the heavy hitters have some kind of head trauma. All Typically. the heavy hitters were heavily hit in the head. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. <laughs> That was it. not a bad pun, my do you, friend. Do you feel good? You feel yeah. good? You got your you got your one per year out of there. Yep, I can a... check out now. Bye. <laughs> if you'll pardon me, it was a big pun. 
And you're not a player. You just fuck a lot. <laughs> Dang it. I was so high for a moment, and then and I those, was And those uh, sheep low. will never forgive you. God damn my big old dumb balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Step I have mom? a feeling this is going to happen a lot. But uh, anywho... His schoolmates, oh God, this, I forgot the Hey Arnold thing. Uh, his schoolmates dubbed him Football Head. Oh, because no. That's bullshit. Oh, it is bullshit. not. Nope. So at school, Heidnick did not often interact with his fellow students, mostly refusing to make eye contact. When a well-meaning new female student asked him one day, did you get the homework done, Gary? He screamed at her and told her she was not worthy to talk to him. Oh, Whoa. no. Uh-huh. So it's a red pill, too, huh? And how. Yeah. <laughs> uh, incel, maybe. Uh, so nonetheless, uh, Heidnick performed very well academically and tested with an IQ of 148. Okay. With the encouragement of his father, 14-year-old Heidnick enrolled at the since-defunct Staunton Military Academy in Virginia for two years, leaving before graduation. Uh, he was, of course, kicked out of public school for a bit due to his behavior. Yes, please. Uh- he didn't do well. He wasn't smart. Sure was. Fuck. <laughs> Why can't I be like him? I'm Damn not throwing it. you layups this evening, friends. I just want you to have to actually endure all of this. I'm not trying so to be sorry slap up happy front, here, but, but I just... Uh, no, it's, I, this is one of the reasons why this is such a fascinating topic, is because it's very easy to be incredulous at the volume of nonsense that you're going to run into. So I assure you, we're just getting started. Even the uh, 148 for the... Yes, that was his actual documented IQ, which is, again, going to play into his later conduct, which is what makes this more horrifying, is Uh he actually was very well aware of what he was doing, which is horrific. Uh, Anywho, uh, after another period in public high school, he dropped out and joined the U.S. Army when he was 17, once being stationed in West Germany in the summer of 1962. Hmm. Within weeks of his new posting in Germany, he earned his GED. And then, in August of 1962, Heidnick began complaining of severe headaches, dizziness, blurred vision, and nausea. A hospital neurologist diagnosed him with gastroenteritis and noticed that uh, Heidnick had also displayed symptoms of mental illness, for which he was uh, prescribed trifluperazine, or stellazine, for those of you playing the home game. And yes, I michaeled that a bit. But uh, <laughs> No, I, they diagnosed him with the intestinal issue? Yes. Gastro... Mm-hmm. That's... Really? Okay. It's not, it's not an intestinal issue, Michael. Okay, okay. I... <laughs> Just making sure. Who knows? I don't know. Look That's it up. That's why I guessed. Google me, Chuck. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, it's not bullshit, if that's what you're fishing for, Michael. Oh. But... Huh. Huh. <laughs> huh. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be oh. good down Bull darn shucks. it. I'll be fucked Dad. in the mouth. Woo-hoo. So, in, <laughs> in October 1962, Heidnick was transferred to a military hospital in uh, Philadelphia, where he was diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder, and consequently honorably discharged from military service. You would assume this diagnosis would be a red flag for authorities executing his later arrests, but apparently that isn't something the government readily discloses to law enforcement, because this motherfucker is acquitted and released multiple times over a period of years before finally committing the string of atrocities we are discussing today. So, thank you, governmental impact. It's much, much, yeah, always appreciate it. 
Subsequent to his discharge in 1964, and that's not referring to sexual activity, John, just calm down. It's, six, it's, it's 69, John, just, just so you nice. remember. Yeah. God. <laughs> Heidnick uh, started taking nursing classes in Philadelphia, uh, completing them a year later and receiving an internship at Philadelphia General Hospital. In 1967, he purchased a three-story home and began frequenting the Elwin Institute, which is a home for the developmentally disabled. And here is where we start peeling off scabs that I wish I could leave alone. Awesome. And I apologize in advance because we're about to get really incendiary here. But he gained employment at a Veterans Administration Hospital in Coatesville, but was later fired for poor attendance, and after being caught engaging in intercourse with several patients. Like right. you do. Yeah. It is documented that from August of 1962 until his arrest in March of 1987, Heidnick was frequently committed to psychiatric hospitals, attempting suicide on at least 13 separate occasions in that time frame. He made his first such attempt in 1970 following the suicide of his mother, Ellen, who had been diagnosed with bone cancer and was suffering the effects of alcoholism. She took her own life by drinking mercuric chloride. Ooh. Yeah. That's, hey, that's, I heard that's that cures uh, COVID, actually. Well, yeah, she didn't <laughs> die from COVID. Certainly didn't. True, she didn't. <laughs> Checkmate, atheist. <laughs> <laughs> I would Fuck. recommend it to any Republican who is adverse to taking any of the shots, by the way. Fucking Just feel liberal free. cucks. <laughs> uh, Heidnick's brother, Terry, also spent time in mental institutions, so you may be sensing a theme starting to manifest itself here, but he also attempted suicide multiple times. It is an absolute wonder, given the documented familial history of mental illness and his own documented issues, that Heidnick wasn't permanently institutionalized sooner, but uh, we'll speak to his intellect and skills of manipulation coupled with widespread deinstitutionalization of the era, as Michael has spoken to previously, uh, which also probably kept him in circulation well past the threshold of common sense, but hell, what the hell do I know? <laughs> so, in October of 1971, flashing forward a bit, Heidnick purportedly was stricken with divine inspiration uh -oh. while driving. Uh-oh. That's where it always happens. Mm-hmm. You sure he it wasn't the dog? If only. Yeah, this is not the son of Sam, sadly. Uh, he claimed he heard the voice of God compelling him to start a church. So much like Peter before him, just uh, got a grand idea. <laughs> In fact, Mr. Heidnick had a grand idea. <sighs> so thus, he incorporated a ministry called the United Church of the Ministers of God. Slightly unwieldy, but what are you going to do? It looks great on a nameplate. Uh, initially, he began this ministry with five followers. So much like our podcast, it seems. Uh, yeah. So you're in saying we should start a church. So yes. you're saying there's a chance. I mean, technically, I am a minister, so we're already having the Church of the Air as we speak. I think that go. is the arc is that, uh, you know, Shane starts a cult. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, <laughs> In 1975, Heidnick opened an account under the church's name with a $1,500 endowment from Merrill Lynch. However, much like Michael after him as well, that money was not strictly administered in the name of the Lord, as it were. <laughs> oh, really? So, student loans much, Michael. But 
Got to speculate. I think Indeed. GameStop's going yes. places. Time to invest. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, space hands and all that stuff. <laughs> Diamond hands. <laughs> so Heidnik instead used it to dabble in the stock market. Oh, no. <laughs> Eventually going on to amass a wealth of over $500,000, which is the equivalent of nearly $2 million in today's currency. By the mid-1980s. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, I said that, Michael. You already yeah. failed us, Michael. <laughs> oh. I mean, keep keep holding out hope, though, friend. I don't want to completely stamp out all of your optimistic thoughts. <laughs> Diamond hands straight to the moon. <laughs> uh. So thus, by 1986, the United Church of the Ministers of God was, to all parties concerned, a wealthy and thriving religious institution. However... To more regular observers, there appeared to be something amiss in Heidnik's home. As indicated by Doris Zibulka, Heidnik's next-door neighbor in North Philly, A lot of people came to his home for services, all right, but they were usually mentally retarded. I am using a quote there, so it is not my fault. That is what she said. I mean, <laughs> also... The terminology over the years, what is appropriate changes. Mm -hmm. So that was appropriate back then. And I promise this is tied very loosely to that. Mm -hmm. I rewatched Anchorman this week and that came out in 2004. And uh, Steve Carell's character, you know, uh, was it Brick Tamlin? You know, you act like I know. <laughs> whatever. So in the intro of the movie, the first 10 minutes, they're introducing all the characters. Very Judd Apatow kind of shit. And he goes, and I'm Brick. Years later, they'll define me as mentally retarded. So it was definitely a product of its time. It's always evolving. So yeah, you yeah. I, and you know, we're speaking anecdotally here. So what are you gonna do? Anyway. Uh, in in 1976, Heidnick sold his home, purchasing another three story home at a different location. While renting out two floors of the new house to other tenants to bring in further infusion of income and possibly to cloy his ill-gotten Wall Street gains, uh, Gary moved in his mentally disabled girlfriend, Anjanette Davidson, to the residence with him. Heidnick was, to most observers, living a fairly successful life. That facade soon cracked, however, as Heidnick was charged with aggravated assault and carrying an unlicensed pistol after shooting at one of his tenants during an altercation in the home. The tenant, oddly enough, was an ex-police officer and had a bullet graze his face prior to the beginning of a physical altercation with Heidnick that spilled out onto the front lawn of the home. So think of like end sequence of lethal weapon, all right? Uh, when authorities arrived, they originally arrested the tenant as he had the upper hand in the struggle as they approached. However, neighbors were able to better explain the situation upon being interviewed, resulting in Heidnik being taken away to the police station as well. It's like, you know, fuck it. We're going to sort this out at the station. <laughs> I'm not going to sit and uh, you know allow this to escalate any further. Uh, so Heidnik was charged with aggravated assault, and the tenant and his family moved out the following morning, as you would expect, because <laughs> who the hell wants to stick around when someone's just randomly shooting at you? And that left Heidnik in the home alone. In 1978, Heidnik had his first child with Anjanette, a daughter named Maxine, who was immediately placed into foster care following her birth. Ugh. Later that year, Heidnik signed out Alberta... Anjanette's sister, 
who also suffered from a mental disability from the psychic in uh, the psychic from the psychi- psychiatric institute <laughs> she was doing palmistry there at the time apparently uh-huh. uh, anyway signed her out from the psychiatric institution on day leave he then proceeded to imprison her in a locked storage container in his basement after she was found and returned to the hospital, examination revealed that she had been raped and sodomized and, consequently, oh. contracted gonorrhea. Heidnik was subsequently arrested and charged with kidnapping, rape, unlawful restraint, false imprisonment, involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, and interfering with the custody of a committed person. So this man is exemplary, particularly for uh, a man of the cloth on top of all of this. Let's not forget he founded his own fucking church. And this is how he's comporting himself in public. And they still didn't keep him locked up. Well, I imagine that probably helped keep him, like, getting out is having Mm -hmm. that kind of, like, background of... Like, look at all these people who'll say good things about me. And also, let's uh, speak to the tacit racism implied here is that he is pointing to people who are mentally deranged in certain cases and otherwise. They're all African-Americans. So what do you say? Let's let the white guy get out. And, uh, you know, it's, he's not harming anybody. So, yeah, this... Uh, this hits a lot of very sore spots in particular. So, again, I, I realize that up front, but... We continue. During his hearing on the assault charges, he remained silent because he was supposedly convinced that, as he wrote on a slip of paper for the board reviewing the case, the devil put a cookie in my throat. No. That's bullshit. Yeah. A cookie in his throat? Nope. Not bullshit. What kind he of cookie? He wrote that down. Yeah, was, that was my thought, too. <laughs> I mean, what it's got to be oatmeal raisin if he's afraid to talk. That's, that's I mean, true. That's... If he can't swallow it outright, it's probably something like oatmeal, yeah. That's Courtney... essentially concrete every time you yeah. bite into one of those. You're just Courtney trying to kill the, yourself. Uh, Courtney is the authority here. Oh, What's, yeah, what, yeah. What kind of cookie was in his throat if you had to make it? If you were trying to choke someone or prevent them from speaking, what cookie would you put down their throat? Dog uh, biscuit. Pecan Sandy's. Okay. Oh, okay. Check out the pecan sandies. Some saltine crackers. Just like this man. (laughs) A saltine cracker? That's what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah, he's someone's salt day. Fucking saltine cracker ass looking motherfucker. You bland as cardboard, bitch. All right. So uh, he was charged with sexually assaulting Alberta and with false imprisonment. However, this sentence was overturned on appeal. How? He ins- uh, I, I regret to inform you. I actually don't have that information. Okay. I tried to find it, but they did not detail what the rationale. But I'm like, this man is behaving like an absolute lunatic. Like, who writes, I can't speak because the devil put a fucking cookie in my throat <laughs> and makes it out, and they still released him? I can't fathom it. Yeah. I don't know how this is real life. I mean, he sounds like John when John's late to recording the podcast. He's like, I spilled a gallon of water on my table. We're like, John, the devil didn't make you do that. God damn it. <laughs> I didn't do it. Albus was was fucking my mouth. I couldn't come upstairs. <laughs> Looking like a snack. like... <laughs> I had his dog biscuit. All right. So you're a daisy. If you do. <laughs> Our good friend Gary instead spent three years in mental institutions, ultimately being released in April of 1983. 
Neighbors continued to report that he would often visit institutions and bring young black women with what appeared to be mental or developmental disabilities to his home, which begs the question how many others he victimized that possibly went unnoticed prior to the crimes that were actually documented. And thus, we get to 1984, thanks to the blind fucking ineptitude of the Pennsylvania justice system. Heidnick is again a free man and still financially capable to purchase his third home. I haven't even bought my first yet. I feel like a dramatic <laughs> underachiever compared to this piece of shit. Jeez. Ugh. <sighs> So, he then resumed his former pursuits of aggressively advertising his church and sexually abusing women, because why not? It's, uh, they seem to be hand-in-hand with religion, so, from what I can understand. But Huh. It's hmm. almost like there's a pattern, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Weird. Interesting. Hmm. It, observable hmm. behavior from those who are imbued with the Lord's love. So he then used a matrimonial service to meet his future wife, Betty Disto. I'm sorry. That's a panic word. I I know that there was a stumble there, but it's amazing to me. Like every single time you hear about serial killers or, you know, horrific people like this, like they have loved ones. They have people that are like, like, yeah, you tick all the boxes for me. Let's fucking do this. Uh Uh-huh. You found love in a hopeless place. (laughs) (laughs) so uh with betty he corresponded by mail for two years before he actually proposed to her so she arrived from the philippines in september of 1985 and then married heidnik in maryland in october of that year the marriage as it stands was dramatically short-lived with Disto discovering that Heidnik was carrying on affairs with multiple women eventually also forcing his wife to watch while he engaged in sexual acts with them. God I don't know damn. how he expected he was going to get away with this but roll the dice I guess. Fuck. So Betty also accused him of repeatedly uh assaulting uh, sexually and just physically assaulting her. Uh, with the help of the Filipino community in Philadelphia, she was able to leave Heidnik in January of 1986. Unknown to Heidnik until his ex-wife requested child support payments in 87, he had impregnated her during their marriage. Uh, Betty gave birth to a son in 1986, whom she named Jesse John Disto. She did not give him Heidnik's last name, thankfully. Good. And once Betty was able to get away from him, Heidnik once again was charged with assault, indecent assault, spousal rape, and involuntary, involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, which oh, you're going to see a lot in here. Uh, to all rational observations at this point, one would label his conduct as recurring and right. very likely compulsive. Hmm. Yeah? Hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. As indicated by uh, Doris Zabulka again, who was still his neighbor at the time, uh, after the wife left, there were a lot of girls in and out all the time. They looked like hookers. One night, we were sitting on the front porch, and a girl comes flying out of the door. She was thrown out. She was half naked. She's screaming and banging on the door. The cops came, and then he gave her back her clothes. What a gentleman. Wow. 
Apparently, one had to shoot someone in full view of the police officers uh, and then subsequently hand them the murder weapon in order to suitably raise suspicions in Philadelphia in Which the 80s. It's basically the joke that Rick and Morty makes on the uh, interdimensional cable, the, the quick mysteries. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's the murder weapon. <laughs> Thank you very much. Give I'll, me the cuffs. <laughs> I'll, I'll spit in a bag so you have my DNA on profile. And uh, here we go. All right. Uh, but uh, Heidnick's sexual proclivities were not the only indication that he wasn't the charismatic, God-loving pillar of the community he purported himself to be. According to a statement from acquaintance John Cassidy, For all the years I knew him, he would do weird things, like wear a leather coat with a sheepskin lining in the middle of August. Or there was this time when he lived in West Philly, there was this car with some kind of like a machine gun and Afro emblem on it. And he said it belonged to one of them violent people. It was always parked in front of his house. So first, he shot out some of their windows with a BB gun. And the car would still come and park there. So then he started pouring sugar down the gas tank. But the car just kept driving. And he put more in, and it still ran. He must have put like 20 pounds of sugar in, and the car never even shuddered. It drove him kind of nuts. He was always crazy, but I thought he was like a garden variety Kensington kind of crazy. But then after his wife left, he started getting paranoid. This was, I guess, in like the mid-80s. Unfortunately for the women that would soon endure Heidnick's sadistic and murderous whims, it was far more than paranoia that Gary was subject to. Desiring to have sex slaves and create a harem that he would use to sire a collection of anointed emissaries of God, Heidnick began a series of abductions and rapes in 1986. On November 25th, he abducted an African-American part-time sex worker by the name of Josefina Rivera. She recounts the incident in a statement. I'm going to apologize in advance because this is going to be a little rough. So just this is this is the moment. Yeah, buckle up, friends. We're going to start. I I could feel this one uh, about to happen. We're going to go off the rails here. So I just you know I want to be as clear as I can. Or since Michael surprised us with fucking just. Horrific Slenderman shit. I'm I'm gonna try to keep it, it from again. being. I have I've edited a lot of the graphic stuff out of here, so I'm not just gonna oh, good, be good, incendiary good, good, good. without cause. But Aww. I just even then, it's still not a <laughs> Michael's like topic. I can't come without the details. <laughs> I need every single I need a violent detail. Line. Yeah, I see no myself jump. in Gary. <laughs> okay, so he started wrapping people's intestines around his dick and then masturbating himself with them. How about that? Does that make you feel better? No, that was too. I, 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 I didn't even have time to work up to it. <laughs> What the fuck? Bull? Did you just <laughs> rip no the bandaid off? God. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh. I figured he was kidding. That's why I went with it. Remind me never to do. uh, Remember never to do you wrong. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, don't play Mad Libs with Shane. It never ends well. Uh, That's gonna backfire. I'm gonna buy a Mad Libs book that we're gonna share because I think that'd be a lot of fun. Sell that on the Patreon. Okay, there you go. This is Josephina's statement. I was hustling on the corner of 3rd and Gerard at about 11 p.m. And I'm also going to note, there's a reason I'm not doing voices here, because I feel like this would be inappropriate for me to try to put levity into. So uh, no detective popcorn here, friends. I'm sorry. Oh, shit. So I was hustling on the corner of 3rd and Gerard at about 11 p.m. A 1987 caddy, a Coupe de Ville, pulled up. The driver of the car and I discussed price. We came to an agreement of $20, and we went into his house. 
He identified himself to me as Gary Heidnick. We went up to the second floor front bedroom and he gave me a $20 bill. Then we took off our clothes and had sex on his waterbed. <laughs> Don't trust a human water being with bed? a waterbed. Yep. You, surely you wouldn't hide a lie inside of a testimony. In surely a I wouldn't. <laughs> nope. He had a waterbed. Of course he I did. mean, they were sign. very chic at the time, admittedly. But, I mean, you can't sleep comfortably on those things. And my, uh, my parents had a waterbed for about 15 years. It, I can attest it's it's not. No, not good. Uh, and also, as John can attest to, you don't want to spring a leak in one of those things because you'll spend hours cleaning it up. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> so we got off the bed and I was walking over to where my clothing was and he came up behind me and grabbed me by my neck. I wasn't able to breathe, and then I went unconscious. When I regained consciousness, he had me on the bed. He had a handcuff on my right wrist. He kept telling me to shut up or he was going to choke me again. I told him, all right, I'll do anything you say, but don't hurt me. When we got into the basement, I saw this big hole in the floor, and plastic bags full of dirt were stacked in the corner. He shackled my legs to a chain, used clamps that are used to hold mufflers around my ankles, and secured them with nuts. He then put crazy glue on the nuts so that I couldn't turn them. He told me he was wow. going to get me pregnant, and I would have his children, and he would raise them. He put me in a hole in the basement floor. He kept trying to put a board over the top of me, but it wouldn't fit because the hole wasn't deep enough. He finally forced the board down over me, and after I was there for a while, I had trouble breathing, and I was screaming. He took off the board and then pulled me out of the hole by my hair and then picked me uh, and then picked up a stick and started to beat me with it. He then put me back in the hole and left me for a long time. It seemed like that was a full day or more. Then I heard his voice and a girl's voice coming down into the basement. So this is after he's already gotten her. I could hear him saying, be quiet. Shut up, Sandy. You know, I'm not going to hurt you. So... This statement points to the abduction of December 3rd, 1986, where Heidnick brought the mentally disabled Sandra Lindsay into the picture. Lindsay was well known to Heidnick as she was a regular attendee of his congregation, whom he had gotten pregnant previously. Good God. So the issue was that Sandra had gotten an abortion, which significantly vexed Heidnick, who again is trying yeah. to raise the soldiers of God, <laughs> mind you. Uh, he purportedly even went so far as to offer Sandra $10,000 to have his baby, but she still declined the offer. Uh, this is believed to be the primary motivation for Heidnick to then capture in prison and eventually torture her to death. Following his apprehension, Heidnick indicated he'd received a revelation that involved his procreation of 24 children by chosen women in the community. These children were to serve as the ruling elders, alluded to in Revelations 4, over the millennium after the return of Christ and following the rapture. Uh, the women that Heidnick selected were victims, uh, as victims, were purportedly chosen through divine mandate, according to him, and those with mental handicaps were preferred as it allowed him to be more closely connected to God due to their being unclouded by normal cognition. What the okay. fuck? <laughs> yep. I feel dirty. I know, <laughs> uh, and for good reason. So, 20 days after imprisoning Sandra on December 23rd, he brought 19-year-old Lisa Thomas home. He subdued her by drugging her wine and then added her to the growing collection of captives in his pleasure dungeon. 
one week later on January 2nd. Now, granted, this is within like a month and a half he's doing this, which is and just absolutely astonishing. Rapid fire. Where the oh. fuck are the neighbors? Like, how are they yeah. not noticing any of this? Well, no, they, they saw the exact same thing before. He exactly. And he people. was never actually punished for it. So <sighs> after a while, you just, just become anesthetized. Yeah. Yep. Well, and then you have to wonder, too, because of the marginalization of the people he's taking, the police probably aren't spending a whole lot of time looking for them either. Oh, of course not. Because we're also talking not only, uh, I think, what are they? There's a derogatory term, but they refer to them as like the living dead or something for uh, individuals who are sex workers. Mm-hmm. That Basically, yeah. you know, you just expect that you're going to meet a, a bad end. So altogether, this is just not working out for anybody. But uh, it makes you feel... It's repellent to anybody who actually looks at the way that we've cultivated society now to look back. This kind of draws a very sharp focus to the sins of the past and really salient point at the moment, which is one of the reasons why I felt like this board discussion, because for those who don't believe in privilege, let me educate you for a minute. Anywho. A week later, on January 2nd, Heidnick abducted Deborah Dudley, who turned out to be the fly in the ointment for Gary's grand plans. During her period of captivity, Deborah would try to defend herself against his advances, only to be more severely beaten and subsequently punished in the pit with greater frequency than the other women. Spurred by this frustrating behavior, Heidnick became increasingly more violent, forcing the women to alternately beat and perform sexual acts on each other as he watched, often picking one girl to lead the beatings as he sexually assaulted her. So okay. this man is beyond depraved. It's yeah, what documented. This is one of the more disturbing things that I've ever actually seen depicted. And so here's, uh, I had mentioned this to Courtney earlier. The reason I was exposed to Heidnik is I was watching a documentary about the writing of, uh, the silence of the lambs for Thomas Harris. Oh, and really? one of the major inspirations for Buffalo bill is Gary Heidnik, oh, uh, which like, is why you okay. have a pit in the basement and women being kept down there and tortured huh. is uh, drawn directly from this. So that was how I actually originally was informed about Heidnik. Uh, and he's just not often discussed elsewhere. I haven't heard him really brought up previously, which is astonishing considering what we're getting into, but I wonder why that, because there's, there's, two routes that i can think of where it's just either the acts that he did were so depraved or his victims weren't like like we just said the mm-hmm. living they're dead. marginalized right yeah so no one cared to spread his story as opposed to other ones that were more also yeah. he technically doesn't qualify as a serial killer uh, and I think that's another reason why it gets because it's far less scintillating to the American populace. And I mean, granted, I'm somewhat symbolic here of gore porn because I'm even discussing this, but right. it's it's far less interesting for people. But I spent a lot of time delving into psychological profiles. I have actually read the initial published documents uh, for, you know, the behavioral sciences unit with the FBI, which is very bland reading if you're trying to find something interesting. But I, the way that they categorize and chronicle these things is very interesting to me so it's one of the reasons i got exposed to a lot of this stuff in the first place but anywho enough of justification for why i'm talking about it but moving on 
so by the end of January of 87, Heidnik had kidnapped four women in total, whom he held captive in a makeshift pit in the basement of his home in North Philadelphia. He fed the women irregularly and kept them half-naked to facilitate ready access to sex whenever the mood moved him, further humiliating them by forcing them to subsist on a diet of dog food. Really? That's yep. fucking fine. I know. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, I apologize in advance, because like I said, I knew this was going to be something that is going to be touchy. So, if we need to be let up at any point, just let me know, because oh, we're no, still we're, digging. We're already, yeah, we're yeah, digging. I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. Give All right. it to me. Okay. So... We move to February 7th, where Heidnik became angry with Sandra for an unspecified reason, because who knows, he's fucking nuts, so why not just have random flurries of violence? Uh, he deemed it necessary to uh, punish her by hanging her by one wrist from a roof beam for two days. Ooh. Yeah. So as a result, she died the next morning of a combination of starvation, torture, and an untreated fever. So after wow. succumbing to her illness, Heidnik chose to dismember her body, but experienced difficulties dealing with the arms and the legs. So consequently, he put them in the freezer and labeled them dog food. Ooh. This man is an absolute Wait. sadistic piece of shit. I think that really speaks he... to how he feels about them, though, right? Like, that's, yeah. that was their words. It's, the dehumanization oh, is very evident. And, Michael, uh, we will get to the point that you were about to, to raise no, there. No, 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 no. Please. What were you going to say, Michael? Uh, no, he I'm labeled it dog food, and if you'll yeah. recall, that's what he was feeding the captives. Oh, oh my... God damn it. Oh, so, I didn't want it. Oh. Yeah, just wait. That's so, why I didn't repeat myself. I wanted to, I didn't want yeah. to hear the answer. He reportedly. layers. Yeah, he reportedly cooked her ribs in an oven and boiled her head in a pot on the stove. So police officers responded to his residence after neighbors complained of this fucking makes me I'm actually getting angry as I read this again. So I apologize in advance here. But uh, the police officers responded to his residence after neighbors complained about bad odors emanating from the home. So this has a little Jeffrey Dahmer here where you're like, they walked into his house and smelt these things. Uh, and they still left the premises following Heidnick's explanation of, uh, I'm cooking a roast. I fell asleep and burnt it. <sighs> yep. If you can get away with lying that poorly, I'm flummoxed. My, right. <sighs> All right. So, several sources state that the ground-up flesh of Lindsay uh, was then mixed with the dog food that he fed to his victims. Uh, his defense attorney, Chuck Peruto, said that the, upon examination of the Cuisinart and other tools in his kitchen, they found no evidence of human remains. So, there's no actual substantiation of this claim. Okay. So, we can't be certain that he was forcing them to cannibalize. But, the thought alone is enough to just make yeah. you lose sleep. Uh, so, uh, he thinks that Heidnik concocted this story just to support his insanity plea later. Oh, okay. So, after that, Heidnik then attempted to bribe his captives into policing one another. Uh, Josephina, his first captive, eventually succumbed to the temptation, telling Heidnik that the others had planned to attack him and escape at one point. So, as a result, he deafened all of the offenders by driving screwdrivers through their eardrums as punishment. Oh, God! <laughs> Holy okay, shit! Okay, yeah, here we are. Yep. Damn. <laughs> and I... 
adding the policing I, element. No, 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 you're fine. Yeah, it, yeah. Adding the police element, like he he. Is there a textbook for like cult yeah, activity? I mean, like the man defined Stockholm syndrome. Like that. Well, I'm just thinking of just cults, like in general, that do this policing action. Yep. And it's like I thought we were going on a, a serial killer air quotes, but now we're also in part of a cult. Yep. What well, the fuck? If you think about his background and having been in the military, and then going and working around the VA, and then going and working in hospitals and being uh-huh. around mental institutions, he exactly. basically created the perfect life leading up to what he's currently doing. And the reason that they started to deinstitutionalize many places is because this sort of treatment was encouraged. Because you don't just deal with someone who has a mental illness; you beat them. And you force them to behave like they're some sort of an animal. Like, it's... <sighs> okay. Yeah, fucking A, dude. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was also at this juncture that Heidnick elected to employ electroshock to his captives. God damn it. Why the hell not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're I mean, doing, you know, down. torture bingo, you might as well just fill as many lines as you can. <laughs> yeah. Do we so, know how long they were down there because to survive all of this is just astonishing uh, it it wasn't long which i'm not sure what sucker that is to anybody but uh, right. yeah, it, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't last for long so uh, if any slave disobeyed him she was forced into a four foot deep water filled pit boards would then be placed over the pit and they were subsequently weighed down with stones Heidnick would then pass an electrical cable through a gap in the boards and then throw a switch to shock the victim. It was while inflicting this shock torture that Deborah Dudley was electrocuted to death as the live wire came into contact with her handcuffs. Oh. So. Yeah, it's disgusting. Uh, And as I mentioned previously, this is what uh, served as the inspiration for the pit that held Catherine Martin in uh, The Silence of the Lambs. Right, right, right. So, uh, Rivera uh, Rivera became a notable exception to the depredations of the pits, as you would expect, because she cozied up to her captor. uh, And then uh, she was then allowed for good behavior to assist in torturing the other captives. And then... Oh, uh, how generous. uh Uh-huh. So she earned other privileges through this action, including being occasionally allowed upstairs to watch a movie or the gift of being sexually assaulted in a more comfortable environment. Isn't he sweet? (sighs) Moving on up. Uh Uh-huh. So, as I indicated on March 19th, 1987, Heidnick murdered Deborah Dudley in the cellar, throwing her in the pit and fatally electrocuting her, possibly from having grown tired of her continual dogged resistance to his abuse or out of overindulging his sadistic whims until chance led the charge to touching her handcuffs directly. So he enlisted Rivera in the disposal of the body, later abducting 24-year-old Agnes Adams to replace her in the throng on March 23rd. So we've gone from, you know, like December into March now. So this is still the course of months that this is occurring. (sighs) Wow. Yeah. And uh, I realize as I'm saying these things that I know uh, as dark as we thought like Stanford Prison had gotten, this is really oppressive stuff. You did warn, you know. I know, but still, if we need to take a breath and and have a moment of some levity and talk about popcorn or something, uh, (laughs) let me know at any time. Just raise a flare. I I don't know if I had a random shower thought this week. Okay. I don't feel like I'll ever top the, the, the piss fetish. 
What is your uh, what's your favorite thing to order at what was formerly the Alamo Draft House? You know the answer. I do, but the audience doesn't. So in part. Okay, so a little palate cleanser uh, at what used to be Alamo Draft House in Phoenix, but it still exists elsewhere. Uh, the the buffalo cauliflower bites were amazing. They were. Um, and the vegan ranch was just uh, chef's kiss. Just Pretty really delightful. Fun. Yes, I agree. Um, and I realized, and I hope that this happens under the new name, but, you know, tr- trying to, you know, drink less. Uh, the new new. The new new. Um, <laughs> they had at Alamo Topo Chico uh, that you could order, and I was a really big fan of that mm-hmm. uh, prior to... The, the rebranding so we'll see how that works out anyway so we we're talking about horrific acts against humans yes like uh out of the ashes of the uh the phoenix will rise eventually yeah. and i i promise there is an end to this story so is it satisfying <laughs> yes to a certain extent <laughs> i'm not gonna say that it really is like an indemnification for everything else but yeah hopefully it, it at least resolves in a not a thirst quenching way, but at least in a here we go. <laughs> so, yeah. In any event, uh, the reason why I, I needed to take a second is I realized I was only ever going to get one of these. It was like my stance on marriage, which I think I've shared on many occasions. Like if I'm going to do this, I'm only going to do it once. <laughs> so the Beetlejuice line: If I'm ever going to do it, I'm only going to do it once. Uh, I I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get this tepid again like this is disgusting and i realized that going into this full well but uh, i gauged my audience before we started so that's why we're enduring but i realize what i'm putting you all through so thank you for bearing with me and we're, we're moving on i'm going to stop oh, apologizing because yeah. this is we we are where we are the day after helping to ensnare adams who will note, again, say, 24-year-old woman that was abducted because he killed one of the other ones, uh, Josefina Rivera asked Heidnick's permission to be allowed to visit her family. So, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. This might be a freight train, but possibly assuming that she had been, you know, completely won over via Stockholm Syndrome, uh, he allowed her to contact her family. So he drove her to a gas station and said that he would wait for her there. She then walked a block away and dialed 911. So bless her for at least being cunning. It's amazing. Uh, The responding officers, noting chafing from the chains on her leg, went to the gas station and arrested Heidnik. Thank fucking hell. (sighs) So Heidnik's purported best friend, Cyril... Tony Brown was also arrested. Brown was released on $50,000 bail and an agreement that he would testify against Heidnik. In part, Brown admitted that he had witnessed Lindsay's death in the basement and admitted that he had witnessed Heidnik's dismemberment of her fucking body. So he even had accomplices, which is even more staggering. (sighs) Anywho, we are almost to the end here. Shortly after his arrest in 87, uh, in April of 87, Heidnik attempted to hang himself in his jail cell, because why not? (sighs) 
Uh, at his arraignment, he claimed that the women were already in the house when he fucking moved in. <laughs> I'm not kidding. How did they get here? Oh, I didn't know I had a basement. Bunch of knuckleheads in the uh, basement. Am I right? I honestly thought they were just living here and they screamed for the sport. It came Squatter's with the frame. Rights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Squatter's rights. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> You can't make this shit up. You really can't. Like that's so why it's so fucking bullshit. I am amazed. Wait, is that bullshit? No. I like. Oh, trust me. I there forgot are... that I'm supposed yeah, to be there's asking. There's no lies. We're we're not getting any. <laughs> the lies. Yeah. The, the, the five lies, lies is that, that there's there no five, five lies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If only. Yeah. Uh, trust me. I found it very difficult to find things to make up about. Did this. you feel gross while making these lies? You know what? No. But that speaks to something <laughs> about my psychological makeup that I don't want to address with the public. Fair so we're just gonna move enough. on. All right. So. So, uh, at trial, his uh, defense attorney, Charles Peruto Jr., would attempt to prove that Heidnik was legally insane, which is not as difficult as you would expect, given what had transpired here. So Heidnik's insanity was successfully rebutted by the prosecution led by Charles F. Gallagher, one of God's own fucking angels. Uh, the fact that he managed to successfully amass roughly $550,000 through a brokerage account uh, was offered as proof that he was, one, a shrewd investor and cognitively capable of understanding his actions and their ramifications. So finally, the legal system managed to manifest some degree of capability. But dear God, it took enough time. (sighs) Testimony was also provided by his Merrill Lynch financial advisor, Robert Kirkpatrick, who uh, also was used to approve Heidnick's mental competence. Kirkpatrick called Heidnick an astute investor who knew exactly what he was doing. Eventually convicted of two counts of first-degree murder on July 1st of 1988, Heidnick was sentenced to death and incarcerated at the State Correctional Institution at Pittsburgh. In January of 89, he attempted suicide with an overdose of prescribed Thorazine. So this man is just one of the most genuinely depraved and horrific individuals and whatever suffering he was enduring, I do, I don't intend to make light and I don't think schadenfreude is what I'm espousing here, but the degree to which he tortured other human beings, I don't feel the least bit sorry for him. No, fuck this guy. Uh, for how anguished he may have been and, uh, it's rough. I understand the circumstances of his childhood. I also don't want to gloss over that fact. But yeah, but we don't. We but don't. It's, it's important to understand where he came from. Yes. But, but it it doesn't change what happened. Exactly. Yeah, you don't there, get a hall pass because you had a bad childhood. Correct. You, cra- you fucking yeah. cracked your noggin. There are plenty of folks walking around who have endured, you know, worse circumstances and haven't resorted to killing people for fun. I mean, look at The Undertaker. Look at Hell in the Cell. Look at John. Look at me. Oh, God. Stop the damn podcast. That's what I said. The the fucking man man has a fucking family. That's what I said. Sadly, the man did have a family. I know. And that's the the biggest crime of this whole thing. Uh, someone, Someone deemed him whole enough. Uh, I think we speak to, again, just the ineptitude of, uh, you know, the joys of the American system here, be that legal or governmental or anything, just that someone who had shown everything that he had up to the point where he was originally taken in and brought into custody 
you could have identified him then. So yeah. at least we've gotten more sophisticated in the intervening years, and perhaps we can use this as a way to show that we are making grand strides towards better things. But still, this is no less sickening for that progress. But uh, all right, enough proselytizing here. I've turned into the minister all over again. In 1997... <laughs> At least it's not 98, so we're not getting yeah. back to The Undertaker. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 97, Heidnick's daughter, Maxine Davidson White, uh, and his ex-wife, Betty Disto, filed a suit in federal court in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania in which they requested a stay of execution on the basis that Heidnick was not competent enough to be executed. What? I don't, I can't even begin to understand how this that happened. A, that's a thing? That's a thing. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> He's I, too stupid to be killed. Uh, you'd think. <laughs> I don't know. It won't take. <laughs> the, he won't understand. He'll be like he'll he'll take. It'll be like a chicken cutting their head off. They uh, won't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I I do go on to elaborate here. So I kind of explain okay. what I was alluding to earlier. I got ahead of myself. Uh, the argument for his insanity offered his twenty-two legitimate hospitalizations for mental issues, varied diagnoses, including paranoid schizophrenia, a steady slew of psychotropic medications, examinations by hundreds of medical and psychiatric professionals over a lifetime, and obvious paranoid delusions that he'd likely harbored since childhood. So there was plenty of evidence in advance that he was capable of this, and he was apprehended multiple times. So I'm pointing to a flaw in the system here. So yet after two years of legal proceedings in an array of courts, on July 3rd, 1999, the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania issued its final ruling clearing the way for Heidnick's execution. He was executed by lethal injection on July 6th, 99 at the State Correctional Institution in Rockview in Belafonte, Pennsylvania. Ooh, the winters Belafonte. are lovely there. Uh, and his body was cremated. So as of 2021, he was the last person to have been executed by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And good fucking riddance, in my uh, opinion, oh, regardless really? of what Really? He was the last person? Last Did person to have been executed by uh, uh, huh. uh, the Commonwealth of In... Pennsylvania. Yep. Okay. Is that a Commonwealth? Is Pennsylvania a Commonwealth? Uh, I thought I there was know. a to the document that I'm citing. So. No, you're, you're, you're fine. I thought... <laughs> I know I am. Never mind. Thank you. Uh, anywho, you're that, ladies and germaphobes, finally is going to let us up and get a fresh breath of air. But uh, that is all I have for you in regards to oh, the egg. sinister minister... Gary Michael Heidnick. Fucking rotten hell, you fucking cunt. Yeah. So, again, uh, this was a product of the fact that I had listened to a significant amount of Last Pod, and I thought, well... I'll try my hand at it. This is a topic well... that I haven't heard discussed previously, and uh, we at least strayed away from wacky voices and, and really <laughs> chuckling at the grislier aspects. So I'm not sure if that gets us any kind of brownie we points. Got, uh, but We got all the laughs out at the start of the episode because uh, accurately guessed that there would be no good feelings. Yeah, there wasn't uh, a good end. place to go. So I, I'm not going to use my typical verbiage here. Does anyone have any guesses as no. to what the lies are? No. Um, I am curious. Was he actually honorably discharged from his military service? He certainly was. If Yeah, if he was actually diagnosed with uh, schizoid delusion, uh -huh. delusional disorder. 
Yeah, that that's grounds for immediate. Well, yeah, I was more curious if he had actually done anything in the service that could have gotten him dishonorably discharged. I, I think they just pointed to the fact that he wasn't me- mentally or physically competent any longer to continue. So they're just like, ah, you get off. It's a reprieve. Uh, hmm. I'm. I might. I'm just gonna wager a guess. You're gonna be angry at me for a couple of these lies. I'm just gonna oh, say I that up front. Bet. Rage. What's worse is they're not cheap either. So I. I didn't just throw stupid Aww. like oh the number of times he was diagnosed or the number of times he co- tried to commit suicide. Like I. I okay, that's that's good. I, I tried to test my metal on this because it, this was also a challenge of how can I lie about this in a way that is believable. So. Uh, any further attempts here before I, uh, pull the curtain back? Fuck me up, Buttercup. Yeah, give it to me. All right. So, I apologize in advance, ladies and germaphobes. Uh, Uh, the first one is that he was never caught engaging in intercourse with any of the patients while he was, uh, working at the veteran's hospital. Well, that's good. Yeah. So at least that didn't happen. Fair. I mean, I'm not mad because it means, you know. It means he he just wasn't caught doing it. Well, so he was fired for poor attendance and rude behavior towards the patients. So he's just a dick. Hey, welcome, welcome, you fucking fucks. What the fuck do you want today? So at least the what, veterans' hospital what? was able to appropriately identify poor behavior and do something about it, as opposed to the government who couldn't punish him for say, anything like else. The cops could. Yeah, you can shoot somebody and get away with it, but being rude—that's just not tolerable. That's Mm-mm. too far. Pack your bags, there, Mister. All right. So, uh, lie number two was that, uh, they arrested the, uh, police officer or the ex police officer, uh, for having the upper hand in the scuffle when the police approached. That was not the case. They just saw two people fighting and they chose the bigger guy, basically, I think was what happened. Huh. So, okay. <sighs> yeah. Uh- Okay. And now, uh, lie number three is that, uh, he wanted to create this harem in order to sire a collection of anointed emissaries of God. He didn't say anything. It wasn't a lie. He never claimed to have any religious ambitions with making children. He just wanted sex slaves. He, that's really all he wanted. That- and I was gonna, I, I was going to ask literally right before we got into our, let's take a little break, like, okay. if he's trying to impregnate them, why is he torturing them? I mean, he doesn't and, get aroused otherwise, we, it, Michael. Then, well, oh, well man. but, but. I think Courtney's going to log off. But that was, I, I sensed that there was a disturbance in the force, <laughs> but then we okay. went to commercial, I'm for sorry. lack of a better term, and I, I didn't want to jump in. Oh, man. Right, don't, we're make back me, to... don't make me write commercial music, you motherfucker. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> we wouldn't use it anyway. Dude, you won't. Oh. <laughs> Got me. Well, once we, uh, <laughs> once we finish burying Michael, we can always, uh, you know, eat some delightfully flavorful trolley gummies by the time we're done. And oh, yeah. Trolley. That'll help to save Suddenly us. There's a sack on top of your head. Thank you for sending me that, uh, the Undertaker meme with that, by <laughs> the way. Very, that made me so welcome. giddy. I appreciated it immensely. All right. Uh, here's where we're going to get angry at Shane, so I'm just going to apologize in advance. But dovetailing off of what we did previously, uh, 
lie number four is once Heidnik was apprehended, he indicated he had received a revelation involving his procreation of 24 children by the chosen women of the community. This is all stemmed from the Branch Davidians, uh, and I stole all of that from Koresh. That has nothing to do with anything that happened here, but it, uh, it laid over as a lovely facsimile. And I could translate it pretty easily, so I decided to whip it at y'all and see if anybody was uh, familiar enough to, to wow. nip it, and uh, we didn't get there. there well, I think the reason that that lie slides in there so well is because it at least gives a reason. Because yes. without that, there's literally no reason for anything that he did. Not exactly. to say that's a good reason, no, but at least it no. gives it a thread throughout. So kudos to you for putting that thread throughout. Mm-hmm. But I'm really angry. It, <laughs> I, I, well, it gets worse. So oh, it helps. Cool. It helps rationalize mm-hmm. his behavior. Exactly. This one is rationalize the air quotes, but yeah. And and unfortunately, I think something that we as the American public, and one of the reasons I started researching a lot of this stuff in the first place, is you want that. You want yeah. to understand how the circuit got broken to see what the path is that led you over here. Mm-hmm. And so, plumbing the darker depths is something that you try to do to rationalize you know, people's behavior. And when it's completely irrational and you cannot find those threads, it's even more frustrating. And so that's one of the things that I find most flummoxing about this is I, you just can't draw any correlatives. He just decided to start a religion and he had no further follow-up to that. It was just an easy way to con people in the door. And that's the hucksterish elements of this are even more disgusting. But finally, this one is a direct shot across the bow at John Watkins. And I am glad (laughs) that I made it out. Number five is the women Heidnik selected as victims were chosen through divine mandate and those with mental handicaps were preferred as it lowered them and allowed them to be more closely connected with God due to their being unclouded by normal cognition. That is lifted directly from Midsummer. It is... Fuck. So, oh, fuck. oh, shit. If I would have the, followed the through with what I wanted oh, to do fuck. today, then I would have known that because mm-hmm. I, I, I have, I'm finally ready to watch the director's cut. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I knew as I was researching, I went, given the thread that ties all of his victims together, I thought this is an easy way for me to kind of thread another lie in here that, you, again, lends a bit of rationale to what he was doing. And there, there wasn't one other than the, just they're easier to manipulate. And it's not a victim that people are going to raise much fuss wow. over which is even more disgusting that is disgusting that was a good lie though that was well, a very good lie thank you but uh i i had recently watched midsummer when i was going into this and it uh oh, the two okay. lent very easily to one another so i went with it but those are the lies that i included in the show so okay. there we go well, there you have it. Indeed. I, I don't think that there's a way to feel good after this. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> no, I'll try no, no, no. to bring us back up as we uh, sashay out of the door, but I knew this one was going to be a little doom spawn. So, well, at least you didn't think it would be easy. No. And again, uh, for the listeners, because none of you got the preface to this other than occasional kind of like jabs in the dark here, I really sat down with everybody and kind of tried to vet this beforehand, particularly uh, Courtney and I had a discussion at length. Of me saying, there's going to be some stuff here that's incredibly uncomfortable to discuss, and I know that going in, so I really appreciate everybody being willing to invest the time and and see where this goes. And I find it fascinating, so I will just readily confess that up front, that a lot of the, you know, inner workings of the mind are things that really uh, allure, there's an allure for me. And so uh, I have 
apologized in certain uh, circumstances because to some people this is completely distasteful and it's indicative of a uh, a poor spirit on my part but for me psychological underpinnings are just fascinating and it's something i spent a lot of time researching when i was in college and subsequently into my own personal sort of uh, research as well because these things uh, obviously have some sort of allure to me in one way, shape, or form. So, well, you even you even put it pretty succinctly earlier, where you mentioned people like having a reason behind these things or right. rationale, and you just take it a step further instead of just like, oh, what well, was in one sentence or one paragraph? Why did he do those things? You'd rather go a little bit further and be like, you know, why? Like, what attributed to these things? Why was he thinking this way? Like, mm-hmm. having a better understanding of that. Because you just want to know. Right. That's, that makes perfect sense to me. It's trying to find light in the darkness, basically, is you're, you're reaching around for a handhold when you feel like everything's slipping. And I mean, the depravity of human beings is very well documented, and there's a broad proliferation of it. You can look just around on a street corner and see people that are treating one another. The reason the phrase man's inhumanity to man is uh, so popular is because we have a wealth of evidence to show that it exists. And it's just uh, disgusting. Animals don't do this to one another. It's one of the things that I think is really kind of uh, an indictment of the human race is that we are the only thing that really for the most part, does anything and inflicts pain on something else just to watch what happens and often delights in it. And that's just, there's something that's really disgusting about that to me. And you want to try to figure out what that is. And uh, for those who grew up in a religious background, if there's a just and loving God out there that manifested all of this out into the ether, it's really hard to believe in it. If it can allow this sort of thing to exist and flourish and almost, you know, watch it be nurtured. And granted, there is an argument to say that that is the flip side of the coin, and there is some other force that is trying to help manifest that into existence. I just never liked the cop-out of saying, uh, the devil made me do it. <laughs> right. Um, there is, speaking of that, a deathcore song from a band called Within the Ruins called Verses, and basically the lyrics are exactly what you just said. Okay. Yeah, like verbatim, almost. Like a, I think I think I think the lyrics, if you could decipher it through the gutturals, is uh, God. <laughs> if God is real, then he's an evil motherfucker sitting back watching the show. Yeah, he's a kid so. with an ant farm, as Al Pacino <laughs> would tell us. Gavin. <laughs> Uh, so speaking I, of uh, cinema that we adore, sorry, Courtney, go ahead. I've oh, talked no. enough. <laughs> I'm curious if you're listening to uh, Killer Psyche. It's a new podcast from Wondery, and it's hosted mm. by a woman who um, was a psychiatric nurse before she worked for the FBI as a profiler. Okay. And her most recent episode was about the vampire killer of Sacramento, Richard Chase. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he also oh, had schizophrenia. Jesus so Christ. listening to you kind of talk about somebody else with schizophrenia after listening to that episode yesterday was like... You should uh, check out the last pod episodes on Richard Chase. Yeah, I, I did listen to the last pod episodes. So uh, in, in addition to, to, to the new show. I will definitely check it. Uh, Wondery is one of those I really enjoy. You and I talked about it, the, the yeah. man in the window and uh, all of the Golden State Killer stuff. So... Uh, it's a lot of fascinating material, but again, the macabre elements and some of the more disgusting things like 
you can really get queasy with a lot of these things. And I have encountered some of the more depraved acts of uh, human violence, uh, and I'm not fond of it. It's not something where I, it's like the saw principle where I was like, ooh, the gore porn, like I love it. I really get squeamish with a lot of this stuff, particularly if it's uh, sexual in nature is really bothersome. So, yeah, so it's a little yeah. hard to get around, but. Um, I think I have a segue. <laughs> I think I have a way to get us to what you were going to ask. I'm before. I'm so Segway absolutely us. ready to you know get out of this. Oh, you! I just just get ready, Courtney. Um, did you end up watching a movie last night when you got home, or no? Yes, yes, we did. We talked about that before we went on <laughs> air, and I felt it was terribly appropriate considering what nice. we're talking about. So, uh, the first movie that I loaned Courtney from David Fincher was Gone Girl, and Courtney seemed to really enjoy that, or at least. Inter- was entertaining. It was really good. It. I really liked it. Uh, what did you think of David Fincher's earlier work, Seven? Very, very good. I really enjoyed it. I, I it's, kind uh, of had some really guesses gnarly, right? as soon as like the second murder was shown, and it had greed. I was like, oh, this is going to take a Seven Deadly like sin spin, and I really enjoyed that. And also, just what, anything Morgan Freeman is going to be good. He's what so did you think good. about the ending? Um. It made sense. It made sense that Brad Pitt's character was Wrath, that Mills was Wrath. Spoilers! <laughs> that I think 20 years old, yeah. No, I, but uh, go for it. Well, I think if you made it this far through this episode... <laughs> you're entitled yeah. to all the spoilers. You're not going to be upset go. that no. we're spoiling what's in the box for you, I'm afraid, yeah. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I I adore that movie. And Shane, you really, really like that movie. It's uh, um, as evidence- wasn't your 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 kitties, right? My you had, you had a kitty. You had a kitty back. You had a kitty back. Yes, in the day? I did have a cat named Somerset. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, it's uh, it is my favorite film. Uh, which it's not hard to discern why, given the topic that we just discussed. But that film is so cerebrally stimulating. And as harrowing as the situation is, it's another one of those things, like the way that everything is interwoven, sort of the tapestry of those crimes is so rich and very well written and exceptionally well executed. And I was telling Courtney, I've read books about that bloody film and the reason why certain things were shot the way that they were i think you and i have talked about it john the the ending sequence driving out to the crime scene is shot specifically and when you rewatch it it'll break your brain but they actually show somerset through glass uh because he's Hmm. flexible but anytime they have a shot of either john doe for the most part i think there's one or two exceptions as i watched it back but uh john doe and uh mills shots are always through the grating Mm -hmm. in the police car to indicate that they are locked into their course of action and nothing is going to change so somerset's the only variable in that so he's always shown unimpaired or unimpinged it's uh there's never anything obscuring him, but there's always something obscuring the other two for the most part. I would actually like to read read one of those books. It's fascinating. Um, it really is. The only the only one that I knew is that the only time that you that the entire movie is overcast and raining mm-hmm. uh, up until they catch the serial killer. Yep. And once Kevin Spacey is in shot is the first time you actually see Sun uh in the movie. Yep. Is when he's brought into custody, which is again to your point, and and you know the actual direction, like very very fucking smart and, and uh, effective. Now that you know, Courtney, you will be shocked at the volume of times that I quote that film in casual conversation, <laughs> and 
you have to be very attuned to having watched that film in order to get it. But yeah, it's very routine. Uh, I have at, at work many times if somebody's talking about being uncultured, I'd be like, culture, we got culture coming out of our ass. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, uh, Seven is a vehicle driven by Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Uh, well, at least I believe in the year of our Lord, 1999. Well, and I think you've used has... that exact line on me before. Like, with that movie. Yeah, and you still haven't yeah. watched it. You fuck Courtney watched it before you did. I mean... That's not saying anything. Like, she seems oh, she's a lot not more a willing... Is it because she's Whoa! A... It's because I'm a no, woman. No, I, I did not say either... Of those things. Hey, she wasn't wow. just standing around guarding the Taco Bell, okay? She's seen movies. Yeah. Unlike <laughs> me. a fucking quote. <laughs> <sighs> Michael's well, having a rough one. I'm sorry. Ma- Michael, it good. has your favorite actress in it. There's Think goop all it. over There's that thing. There's lots of goop in that movie. Gwyneth is in it? <laughs> <laughs> now oh, he's on interested. first name basis, are we? <laughs> um, first names, yeah. Do you not remember the jokes I was cracking during the Goop episode about I would be hesitant to get anything that was, you know, that had a box involved that was sent by Gwyneth Paltrow? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. That was years ago. I layers. Oh, my God. That was years ago. I can literally say that was years ago. I'm still disappointed. And you're still in college. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time someone was disappointed in me. Fuck that. I... If you just had a dollar, I'd be impressed. <laughs> well, he's never going to have a dollar because he's, he's just going to fucking flip it into Dogecoin. I was going to say. So, if, if... I don't buy Dogecoin. I don't buy any cryptocurrencies. Well, crypto's the future, you fuck. So you better. Well, I, that, <laughs> if it's a good thing, I won't invest in it. If it's something that people are making jokes about, I'll invest in it. Michael, if you earn a dollar... In the GameStop saga, if you have even made one dollar, I'll be impressed. Where is your uh, your GameStop stock at? Is that two hundred dollars? Okay. So right. technically, if I'm, I were to I'm... sell, I would be up sixty bucks. Wow! Oh, look at you. Oh. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm still impressed. I'll go on the record. Really, you should just double down and throw another two hundred in there and see what happens. No, I'm actually not <laughs> spending my money this time around. So oh, my student loans Star- are actually character yeah. development boring. Lame. Uh, yeah. Game I want to say like Argentina or another country in South America now accepts um, like Bitcoin as a currency. Huh. Interesting. Mm. Now I have a question for you. Uh, and this will be interesting, and I swear we're going to stop this episode at some okay. point. But, Courtney, you'll appreciate this. Now, having seen both films, do you possibly understand why I, as a film lover, hated Saw the first time I saw it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Everyone compared it to Seven. When it was coming out, all of the material was saying, it's the, it's the next Seven. Yeah. It's the next. And then the second they got, I was like, Danny Glover is fucking unhinged. That entire film. All of the performances are ghastly, supremely over the top. And I'm sitting here, yeah. like, as nuanced and beautiful as the dialogue and the performances are in Seven, that anyone would compare those two films other than the fact that there's a, you know, a flip at the end. <laughs> 
offended me to my core. So there were years I wouldn't watch that film ever again because I walked out of the theater going, this is a piece of shit. <laughs> like, oh, the guy just got up up the – he was on the fucking floor and he got up. Oh, really cool. Like, I was really angry me. for a long time. And now I appreciate it. And having been removed from it subsequently, I'm like, yeah, Saw is a good movie. I wow. liked it. it. So how angry were you at me when I was like, this is the greatest? I didn't say anything because no, I was like, sh sh my sweet summer child, you simply don't know. So I, that's the point of the question because you hadn't seen better movies other than that. So like that was your like, that was your high point of like, well, it has to reach this level for me. So mm -hmm. I was like, well, if she can handle Saw, then I think she's ready for some David Fincher <laughs> cerebral shit. Oh, yeah. And also now at this point, you've come so far uh, as far as the movies and the, the shows and the media that you consume uh, from even when you started the podcast with us. Yeah. Well, you know, the so. further I fall from God and his grace, the closer I am to all of you. So there you go. <laughs> I'm sorry. The closer we are to danger, the further we are from harm. As, exactly. Uh, <laughs> as Keith Buckley of Every Time I Die would put it, uh, the low road has no exits. <laughs> It's not wrong. <laughs> or as I have always said, when you start out in the gutter, everything else is a pleasant surprise. There you are. Some metaphor somewhere. Indeed. Well, we're finally going to bring ourselves up out of the gutter as we are now finally at the conclusion of this episode. So for those of you who have lasted this long, Quab, bless you. I sincerely oh, yeah. appreciate your enduring and... Uh, I'm very intrigued to get some comments and feedback here. We'll see how unpopular this winds up being. This will be our first seven download episode, uh, if only yeah. seven. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll find out. But in any event, thank you all for being here. Uh, and Michael, I believe you have a question you have to ask everybody. Um, I do? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I sit here after a long episode and, and I realize that we haven't really caught up much mm -hmm. uh, in the last week. So I, I just feel like I need to sit here and ask, uh, how's everyone doing? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could think of no perfect, <laughs> no more perfect moment to, to encapsulate the feelings of this episode. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you all for being here. As per usual, we love and appreciate you, and we sincerely appreciate you being here and patronizing us a little bit. So... If you want to follow up with us in the show notes, we will have a link tree that will take you to a den of delights that has nothing to do with torture, I swear, I promise, other than listening to Fred Durst's music, which does technically qualify. Uh, it does, yeah. <laughs> Under that... the Geneva Convention, it, it actually does. does. Yes. You just got to read that. real, real close. I'm fairly yeah. certain that's what they were. They would have tried to drive the Branch Davidians out with. <laughs> My way or the highway, uh, just to see if they could actually get everybody out of it. Hey, man, that's not cool. <laughs> Neither are you. Uh, <laughs> I did it all for the nookie. <laughs> and you failed. At least according to Christina Aguilera. But, uh, God, no pussy. <laughs> I had to buy cats. I can't even get a bus to hit on me. <laughs> so dumb. Yikes. It'll just keep rolling. 
So, cringe. Uh, also, if you want to keep following up with us, if you enjoyed what you heard here, seek <laughs> help. But uh, <laughs> also hit hit that subscribe because we we do want to we want to check you out r- routinely. So make sure that you get all of our uh, actual updates here. And as per usual, if you dig what we do, please rate and review because we would love to hear from you. Particularly after this week, tell tell me I didn't drive you off. Uh, furthermore, you can of course find us on YouTube occasionally. There was a very surprise after dark which i really enjoyed this week so uh if you you didn't check it out last wednesday we have some very interesting discussions about how we all failed at music at some point (laughs) i'm just doing it a little more actively than others these days i'm keeping john out of that discussion Uh, okay i I fail on my own (laughs) i'm just dragging the rest of you down but uh, it was really fun. So thank you all for, for taking part in that. So uh, check us out there. We also have got that in the link tree so you can subscribe and, and check out all of the fun stuff winging your way uh, occasionally. You know, whenever the mood moves us. Hmm. And I believe that is going to finally wrap things up, bind it very tightly, and I'm going to stop right there before I get in trouble. Ooh. But uh, we are all done for this week's installment of Disinformed. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. And Mr. Michael, please. I, end I it. really feel like I really feel like that this is a little bit on the nose considering where it came from and that at one point he used uh, drugged wine, so Wow, you had to take Do it I there. Have to? Okay. I did. Alright, Cosby, get right. us out of here. Fine. End me. Ugh. Zippity Zoop, we're out of here! <laughs>